0: Uh, If uh, you weren't here for Easter, we started a a new series and uh, I'd love you to enjoy the full series. You can always get uh, last week's message online. If you go to our webpage, you can uh, listen to that sermon. But today is part two of a a series that that we're doing. And if you didn't get a little uh, booklet, The Victor and the Prize, uh, Jesus is the victor and uh, the prize is what he has won for us on the cross. Uh, there's uh, some at the back. You're welcome to uh, take one home as a little devotional. Bernadette's actually handing them out if there's anybody that uh, would still like one. Uh, please uh, get one. Use it as a devotional. Uh, it's, it's helpful. Uh, next week, I'm really excited to tell you that uh, Jeff is going to be preaching, uh, and Jeff's on staff uh, here. We're going to continue our our series, and uh, so uh, you want to be coming next week and listen to Jeff, uh, and that'll be uh, uh, part three, and that'll be, I'm looking forward to how this series is unfolding, there's uh, some really uh, great things that I think the Lord is encouraging us in this post-resurrection season, as we focus on uh, what Jesus has accomplished for us uh, on the cross. Uh, you know, one of the struggles that we have is dealing with, obviously, a day-to-day life. And uh, we have to have something to look forward to. Uh, if we if we run out of hope, if we run out of something to look forward to, uh, we become despondent. We become depressed and maybe worst-case scenario, you, you know, just run out of life. Uh, if we've got hope, if there's something we're looking forward to, it's really helpful for us. It propels us or helps us get through difficulties. I, I remember when I was in high school as a, as a very bad student, uh, you know, everybody else would just love doing exams. It was like fun and, it, you know, it was just like a challenge. And, and for me, it was just traumatizing. and It was like, oh, you know, why do I even have to do this? I hated studying. It was not something I enjoyed doing. And then somewhere along the line, like, in my senior year in high school, the sort of the penny dropped. It's like, wait a bit. If I'm going to go uh, and get a decent salary, a decent job, if I'm going to get myself out of misery, I actually like really need to get a degree. I mean, I don't really relish the fact that I have to go and study, but I kind of just put my nose to the grindstone, and, uh, and people were like amazed at me. I mean, they said, what happened to you? I mean, like to the point where, you know, just I knew that because I wasn't, you know, the most gifted academically, I had to put every ounce into it, like all two brain cells, stay focused, we're going to learn this, you know. And, uh, and, and, I, and I did, and I got through. But, but what I'm saying is it was the hope of a preferred future that was driving me. And uh, for all of us, we, we need some sort of help to get through something that we're going through that's not so great. And we think, okay, if I do this, if I make this sacrifice now, it'll pay off later on. Uh, people do that in work uh, on a regular basis where, you know, you're willing to suffer or do something that's not ideal, but it's a stepping stone to get up the corporate ladder or it's an entry-level job for a, a, a better job later on. And so you just grind through it and you make the best of it. It's not perfect, but you've got to hope that uh, there's something better coming down the the road. And uh, in a similar way, uh, Christ is saying to us, look, uh, I want to give you hope. No matter what circumstance you find yourself in, uh, Christ is saying, I'm there for you. I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. I will get you through this. There's hope, and it's hope not only for today, it's hope for eternity. Now, you know, when you're young, eternity doesn't sound that inspiring when you get into your you know the latter stages of your life it's like okay it's all about eternity it's all about later on because you know your days on earth are running out so uh, but Christ is saying hey I'm giving you hope on both ends of this now and later on so uh, what I want to what I'd love you to get out of the sermon today is just a sense that uh, Jesus is with you that Jesus is for you and in a very practical way Uh, He wants to impart to you a sense of hope, uh, a sense that, uh, you know, you can have faith that will overcome fear, Uh, and and you can deal with your fears, you can deal with your inadequacies, and that faith in Christ will be sufficient to get you through. Uh, And that's my prayer. So, Lord, I just pray today that you would empower my preaching, uh, Lord, I pray that uh, you would speak to everybody uh, present. Lord, that uh, when they leave here today, there'd be some sense of hope that things uh, can be better, that you have a plan, and that you are accessible, and that you for us and not against us. So, Lord, I just uh, lift up uh, this message to you today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. If you're following along with me, I, I'm going to be reading out of the Gospel of John. And if you're new to the Bible, uh, this is the uh, New Testament. It's the third, I mean, it's the fourth Gospel. And uh, I'm reading out of the uh, Bible translation, the New Living Translation. Uh, there's many great translations. The NIV, probably the most uh, popular, and uh, this is a, a more recent translation, New Living Translation, and these benefits uh, for. More more recent translations, which I uh, won't go into right now, but there are benefits in the more recent translations because they can build on the previous ones and uh, and build on that and work on this. Let me just uh, read this to you. This is John chapter 20, verse 19 through 23. Now, this is a very short section, uh, but it is one of those sections that is totally uh, loaded. uh and uh Peter, there's some seats down here but I write if you want to upgrade, uh, it's free to upgrade your seat. Um f- uh, first class here yeah, if you sit by Rick uh, <laughs> But uh, this little section is uh it, it, there's just like so much going on and uh Jesus uh is, is sort of like he doesn't want to deal with the questions, he's not really in a mood to discuss a whole lot, uh, he's got stuff on his agenda. And uh, he really is like, okay, we, we need to get going. Uh, we re- re- really need to move along quickly. And uh, you finished reading this little section and you've got really like a hundred questions. And Jesus answered maybe what you thought was the one question. But now you've got a whole lot whole lot more to deal with. So uh, let me read this to you. That Sunday evening, now that's right after uh, Resurrection Sunday. That's the Sunday he was resurrected. He's just appeared, as we mentioned last week, to to Mary and uh, the disciples came down, uh, Peter and John, and looked at the tomb. But that night, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and in his side. They were filled with joy. When they saw the Lord. Again he said. Peace be with you. As the father has sent me. So I am sending you. He breathed on them. And said receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins. They are forgiven. If you do not forgive them. They are not forgiven. Man there's just so much happening. Uh, you know we read these uh, these comments and we don't really uh, go back to what it must have felt like if we were sitting there experiencing this because of course we've read this many times but if we can just sort of dial back for a moment and just think okay if you were one of those disciples uh, where were you at Uh, what was happening what would have been going through your mind I mean why were they sitting in a room just like you know terrified well think of it uh, their plan for how the future was going to unfold didn't really work out and so now they totally uh, frustrated they are perplexed uh, and they actually terrified because their leader has just been crucified and so they kind of figuring out well if they went after jesus and he was innocent they're probably coming after us and uh yeah okay so we've heard some strange reports and uh, Jesus resurrected, but uh, okay, he's not here and we are. And so they like got the door closed, it's bolted uh, and they uh, they really don't know what to be doing, but they kind of hanging out together and uh, Jesus appears uh, to them. And the first thing Jesus has to do, he says peace and he says it twice to them. He says, you know, peace, be with you, Uh, have joy. Now, I don't think he just said, you know, like casually, you know, like peace, you know. I I think he's saying, okay, you're looking at me. You've got a hundred questions. The door's still locked. You're trying to figure out how did I get in here. Uh, You kind of recognize my body, but you kind of don't. He's trying to calm them down, and he's not only just saying peace. He's imparting peace. You know, he's not just using a word. He's saying experience peace. Uh, and now I mean you don't think the disciples want to say well how did you get in here you know what kind of body do you have Uh, like what's going on I mean Jesus has no time for this kind of discussion he's like I've got an agenda this is what I'm telling you to do and so you know we similarly have our own questions that we wrestle with, with with Christ our own situations and God doesn't always Answer them, but it doesn't mean to say he's not involved. Or we can't experience peace. We most certainly can experience peace. Uh, you know, one of the things for you, if you've been around church for a while, and you've experienced a really bona fide miracle, you know, let's let's acknowledge Jesus just showing up in a physical body in a locked room through walls is somewhat miraculous. You know, I, I, I mean, how would we respond? like i mean your mind just starts spinning but you know uh, when i've seen bona fide miracles they always seem so normal to me i mean it just like in the one hand you you can't believe what's happened but on the other hand it just seems like well it happened i mean for instance um i don't know and i've seen a lot of supernatural miracles but uh this one instance sticks out in my in, in my mind this lady was blind and uh, got prayed for, and she instantaneously saw. And I don't know if it was like her eyes were full of cataracts, but things physically, I mean, she held him in her hand, physically fell out of her eyes immediately. She said, I can see, and she went ballistic. I mean, she was so excited that she could see. Uh, but sitting and observing it, you're kind of like, okay, well, she didn't see, she does see, she's excited. I, I mean, you know, it's like, it's not like, it's not like you start shaking and you're like wow the presence of god is thick i can no it's just like i i don't understand what happened uh you know i mean the teens were away this uh, at the teens retreat and somebody is praying for someone's leg to grow and they see their leg grow out it's like wow that's like incredible but i mean again it's like okay it's growing out it's, it's, you know you it's like a weird thing it's normal but it's supernatural all at the same time, it's not like the whole building's shaking and the wind is blowing and I don't know, whatever you'd conjure up happens when God does miracles or does supernatural things. All I'm telling you is it sometimes seems very normal. Uh, when you receive Christ, that's a big miracle. Things happen. For some people, that's an emotional experience. For other people, it's, it's just like isn't. I mean, it's just like, okay, I prayed, I received Christ, it's great, you know, uh, Let's go out for lunch. I mean, you know, and it's only like later on. It's like, wow, this, something's happening. I, I feel different. I, I have hope. I have a sense of joy. Uh, the supernatural can be very natural. It can seem very natural. At the same time, it's, it's really profound. And I think we uh, can get derailed in our faith if we're expecting, you know, some sort of strange manif- manifestation for it to be the Lord. Often it's just very natural. I mean, you can spend time praying and God can respond and answer your prayer and you wouldn't even have known that God has answered your prayer. You don't necessarily shake and wobble and sweat or get cold. I mean, I don't know what you're supposed to think happens sometimes when we're experiencing the presence, we're experiencing God doing supernatural things. Uh, But I tell you one thing, a common experience in faith is that we don't have all our questions answered. Uh, it, it, it doesn't matter what area you encounter Christ in, in your life, you're going to have a lot of unanswered questions. Uh, you know, we'll pray for people as often, uh, as, often as we do. Uh, I remember this one particular uh, Sunday night, right here at church, uh, we were praying for some folks, and somebody, uh, I was praying for his finger, and his finger got supernaturally healed. Uh, But here's a weird thing. The guy was a chronic diabetic. diabetic. And I'm like saying to God, well, why won't you heal his diabetes? I mean, okay, his finger, that's nice. I mean, it's great. He can move his finger and he was really excited and and whatever. But I mean, like finger diabetes. I mean, you know, God just doesn't think that way. Uh, It's not like God is limited or, you know, I've only got so much healing and I'm just going to do a finger today, you know. But, you know, we can't use our rational mind. I mean, it's like it's it's somewhat frustrating and it's somewhat like just totally awesome. Now, if you get focused on like, you know, why you don't have all your questions answered, your faith will be really limited. But if you can uh, appreciate uh, what God has done, uh, your faith will be really encouraged. And, And, you know, sometimes it's a mixture between, well, was this God fully or was this just an ordinary course of events? Now, you know, sometimes we just don't know. Uh, where's Ron five? Are you in Ronnie, Ronnie, you come up quickly. You weren't prepared for this. But Ronnie wanted to just, uh... <laughs> glad you were sitting there, Ron. OK, so Ron just had throat cancer. And he had chemotherapy. He's just gone through. And uh, you tell us the rest. OK, so I found out. Am I on? I found out uh, Monday uh, I saw the chemo doctor had a chemo and had a radiation and I'm, I'm clean. Okay, let's just... <laughs> Don't want Ron to steal any more of my preaching time. <laughs> okay, now was that God or was that the doctor? I mean, okay. I mean, you know, skeptics would say it's a doctor. I would say it's God. Is it a combination of both? I really don't care. You know, Ron is 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 healed. He's doing better. Could God have used the doctors? Absolutely. You know, whatever. Uh, it's. Do we have questions? You bet we have questions. But I think it's also safe to say that God is working, and He works through doctors, and He works supernaturally without doctors. But we can still praise God and and thank Him for what He does. But if you look at at, at Ron. Uh, You know, there were times when the Lord really was lifting him up and strengthening him and giving him a faith that, you know, despite difficulties, he was still positive. Uh, And there were times when Ron was really struggling. And, you know, that's part of our walk with the Lord. Uh, We have lots of questions for the Lord. Uh, One of the, the challenges we have is if we predetermine what our future is going to look like. And uh, we say, this is what God is going to do. You know, if, if uh, what we all get, we all in one sense or another have desires of what we'd like to see God do in our lives. Uh, but if you kind of pigeonhole God and you say, okay, faith is going to look like this, or God is going to do this in my life. And then if it doesn't quite go the way you expected and your faith gets derailed. Uh, really what you've done is you've put God in a box, you've limited him in the way he should function, and then you get very disappointed when it doesn't work out that way. Now, we all struggle with that. That, That's normal uh, faith, that's normal, you know, battling. Uh, As you know, we, uh, as a church, are looking for a new church facility, and, uh, you know, we look at different things. Things are coming up and things aren't coming up. And uh, we looked at this one facility recently, and I said, this This would be perfect. This would really be perfect. But then when it was all said and done, we were short by more than a million dollars. And I'm like, "Eh, it's not perfect. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and so you just feel, oh, God, where are you? But at the same time, I'm like, God is going to do something. God is going to do something. And I can't put God in a box and say it's going to look like this or it's going to look like that. I just know God is gonna do something. And it's really, you know, the tension of saying, okay, God, I know you're gonna do something, but I don't exactly know what it is, but you are large and you are in charge and you will do something. I'm confident of that. And you will get our hearts uh, to to catch up with where you're at. The other challenge we all face, like the disciples sitting in that room, is this uh, frustration of waiting. None of us like to wait. We're all impatient. And God's timing is the most peculiar aspect of faith. I mean, sometimes God does things that are fast and furious and immediate, and we're totally shocked. And other times it's like, oh, come on, God. Like, how long is this going to take? I mean, it's like, this is forever. And God doesn't seem to be bothered. You know, and you're like, I'm bothered about it. You know, God move. Hurry up, will you? And God's like, oh, I'm doing something else. And you're like, have you forgotten about me? Hello, here I am. And, you know, waiting is just really hard. The disciples, you know, they must have had a thousand emotions going through their mind. Christ has been crucified. Uh, Peter and John have, like, been to the tomb. You know, they believe, okay, Christ rose from the dead. And now they're waiting. It's like, and now what? And I don't know what the expectations were, but they were nervous. People are going to arrest them. They're going to get crucified. Their future is uncertain. And Christ is saying to us, uh, he is the victor. And you can put this uh, point up here for me, Tracy. Jesus is the victor. He overcame death and physical limitations. He he can overcome getting through walls. He can overcome the limitations that uh, we put on him. Uh, physical limitations but the prize is that he has given us peace and joy when he came through to the disciples he didn't answer all their questions but he imparted to them peace he said look it's gonna be okay Uh, just trust in me have faith go out with peace have peace now go out with joy experience joy now despite the fact that our life is living in attention i mean the disciples didn't know what was going to unfold after that. But they experienced a huge amount of peace. Something transformed in them. I mean, they'd met the resurrected Jesus, except for Thomas. I mean, he was always late. I'm sorry, Mark. I didn't mean to say late coming to church. You just kind of missed Jesus. No, I, it's not that. It's not that. Uh, but, you know, there is something about we're always waiting for, you know, what's the next thing that, that God is going to do. The next thing that would have changed for these uh, disciples was this whole change from the Old Testament to the New New Testament, the change between uh, the whole model of a temple and we becoming the holy temple of God. Uh, There was this whole mindset throughout the Old Testament that if you want to experience God, you had to go to the temple, or before they built the temple, the tent, the tabernacle, and when you went out to the tent or the, the tabernacle, the tabernacle or the temple, the idea was you'd like experience God's presence. I mean, that's where God dwelt. I mean, that's where you could come and pray and, uh, you know, offer sacrifices and and ask God for forgiveness. But then it becomes a little bit like a ritual. And it's like, okay, it's every week. And you're not going to bring an animal for sacrifice. and And the ritual became like really thick. And eventually it became like a money-making deal and people were getting a little sick of going to the temple and and you know i don't know how much they were experiencing jesus and there was a sense of okay i've got an obligation i just got to do this obligation and it, you know and jesus was mad at that he said this is not the point it's not about obligation it's about experiencing a place of prayer it's supposed to be a holy place you're supposed to encounter god it's not supposed to be a distraction and the prophet uh, Hosea put it this way. He said, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Uh, in other words, what God was saying, he said, look, I don't want you to get killed by the routine and the ritual. I don't want, you know, like your sacrifices, yeah, if it's got meaning behind it. But really the idea should be, we gather together, there's a sense we want to praise God, we want to worship God, and out of the fullness of that, out of the excitement, out of the peace and out of the joy, we go out of here and we do something. And in Hosea's case, he's saying, I want you to give mercy, have mercy, be mercy, desire mercy. And then Jesus tweaked that and clarified it and said, I want you to love God, and I want you to love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Uh, Do it. And so uh, we tend to, you know, sometimes get this mixed up. We kind of miss the point. Uh, You know, one of the points of knowing the Bible is so that we can uh, know God better. But again, some people kind of miss the point. They think, okay, if I get to know the Bible, that is the end in and of itself and it's it's a little bit like the car analogy you know the idea is you're supposed to have a car to drive it to enjoy it you don't actually have to know how the thing works i mean it's helpful if you know how it works but if you know how it works it's just to help you to look after your car and enjoy it more uh, and god is saying look get on with the job i want you to experience me i want you to do it i don't want you to get trapped in like learning all the old testament laws and memorizing God made it simple, just to love God, love your neighbor. Get on with it. Enjoy who I am. It's me. It's the experience of having me with you and doing it with you. Don't miss it. And so the model changed a little bit. If you're filling out your sermon outline, uh, the second outline to fill out is this. Jesus as the victor overcoming the cross, he set up a new religious order. And instead of it being to just come and see, come to the temple, come and see, Jesus is saying, no, no, I'm adding something to that. It's come and see and go and be. You know, come to church, see me, experience, but also go. It's come and go. You, You get filled with the Lord and go out and be the Lord, be his hands, do something. And God is saying to the disciples, listen, I'm sending you on a mission. I mean, this is just such a compacted little section here. Jesus comes into the room, peace be with you, no discussion, no like, okay, let me explain this piece. He then said, he spoke to them and showed him his wounds and like, okay, it's me. I, I'm, let me prove it. Here it is. Be filled with joy uh, when, when they saw the Lord. And then he says it again, peace be with you. And then like straight away, there's no dialogue here. There's no like, how are you guys doing? I'm sorry I've been a little delayed coming here. None of that. Just as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. I mean, boom, like, okay, I'm breaking up your your meeting here. Uh, we got things to do. God, sent me to this earth. i had a mission to accomplish. I've accomplished that mission. Now you've got a mission. You need to get going with it. And that's the same words that Jesus is saying to us. He says, hey, it's all great coming to church. Come experience it. But get going. I've got a mission for you. Stop loving your neighbor and being, uh, representing me to the world. Be on this mission. Get going on this mission. The thing that we battle with whenever Christ is asking us to do something is a sense of inadequacy. Uh, We are constantly inadequate with everything that we face with. Life has a way of stretching us. You know, if you're not academic, you feel inadequate with academics. If you're great at academics, you find you, you know, stretched in some other area. Maybe it's relational challenges. Uh, and if you know if it's not that, you'll find you inadequate with financial issues. Uh, but we all have areas in our lives where we just feel overwhelmed. Uh, we feel inadequate. Uh, it might be like, okay, I'm looking for a wife, or I'm looking for a husband, or you know, I wish I was better at athletics or sport or music. Or, or I mean, there's no end to our inadequacies. And particularly when God is saying, okay, you. You go. You represent me. You go and tell your neighbors all about me. Uh, And all of a sudden, it's like, wow, I I, I wish I knew the Bible better. I I wish I knew this. I wish I could do that. I I just need more training and more equipping. And uh, we're going to be inadequate all the time. And yet what God says is, I'm giving you my Holy Spirit. And he says to his disciples, and he's saying to us, don't feel inadequate I don't know what it is that you're dealing with what issues you're facing today this week and you feel like, oh, okay, this is overwhelming or you know I just don't feel like I've got the energy to do it uh, you know it's another relational struggle, it's another financial struggle, it's another struggle with your kids or whatever you say I just feel drained and God is saying I'm gonna help you I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's job is to encourage you and to be with you. And Jesus was like so emphatic about this that he, you know, imparts the Holy Spirit to his disciples in a really interesting and strange way. He breathes on them. In verse 22, Then he breathed on them, and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, just a few weeks ago, Jesus was saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's saying, before he was crucified, he's saying, okay, you're hanging out with me, but I'm going to go and be with the Father and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. It'll be better for you because he can live inside you and he can comfort you and he can encourage you. And here the disciples are sitting in the room with the door locked, feeling very nervous, very inadequate, and Jesus is saying, okay, the secret source here is I'm going to breathe on you. You say, wow, how's that going to help? It's going to make all the difference because you're going to have the Holy Spirit uh, to go with you. Now, I'm pretty sure that when Jesus said, "You know, said I'm going to breathe on you or breathed on them, this was not like some strange thing. It's like, wow, what a weird charismatic thing. You know, some like breathing on me. You know, he's like waving some wind on me or blowing on me I guarantee you that the disciples were going back to Genesis. They were going back to Ezekiel. You know, in the beginning, when God created humankind, he breathed on them, and that was the defining moment when they came to be, when they were alive. Uh, Throughout the Old Testament, when you hear they took their last breath, it's synonymous with they died. And when they say they took their last breath, it was like not just physical breathing, it's like the Holy Spirit, their soul, left them. And in Ezekiel, when we read about the valley of the dry bones, uh, you know, this prophet, he gets his vision, and he says, look at all these bones, and they're completely dried out and dead. And, you know, God does this, gives him this picture of how these bones come back to life. And they come together, and the flesh comes on them, but they're still not alive. And to make them alive, God breathed on them. You know, this was the, the thing that, that happened. And in a similar way, when Christ died on the cross, uh, let me read it to you. In Luke twenty three forty six, then Jesus shouted, as he's on the cross, as he's dying, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. You know, there was a sense that God was taking the spirit, the soul of Jesus, and Jesus was physically dead, and his soul was giving it up to Christ, uh, giving it up to God. I entrust my spirit into your hands. And so here, with, uh, with Jesus saying, "Look, uh, you know, I'm going to breathe on you," uh, this wasn't just some sort of strange, you know experience for these disciples, and I'm sure they could have had a lot of questions on exactly why Jesus decided to do that, but Jesus thought it was important to do that. Uh, It's sort of like this. Uh, You get a job, you apply for a job as a a clerk in an organization, and you're going to be the filing clerk, and uh, they assign you to the sales office, and you're there for like a month, and you're filing away, and you're just like happy to have a job. And then, uh, you know, like the senior VP of this large corporation walks in, and he says, you know, uh, you've done such a great job with filing. Uh, We're going to make you the sales director, and we're going to give you a huge territory. It's like the whole of New England. And you go like, how do I go from being a filing clerk to being the sales director for this whole territory? And uh, the, the VP says, don't worry about it. We're going to train you we're going to equip you we believe in you you got the right stuff you you got the right makeup you're just what we were looking for in fact you're an answer to our prayer uh okay next week you start you're like wow i just feel like totally inadequate that's how it is for us as believers god has like promoted us he said i'm sending you out you're on a on a mission field, we're like, no, I, I need more. I'm totally, nope, you're good enough. I believe in you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to comfort you. He's going to be with you. When you feel feeling you get on your knees and you start praying. That's the sort of experience that these disciples were feeling. They just knew that they were totally inadequate. So if you're filling out the last fill in the blank there, uh, Jesus is the victor. Uh, he has overcome inadequacy. And the prize is that we have the Holy Spirit uh, to empower us, to be with us, to be for us. And, you know, sometimes sometimes it's so simple what Christ is asking us to do. And sometimes we can get so overwhelmed. Like sometimes we make the, the problem a lot bigger or more difficult than what it really is. When God is saying, love your neighbor, Uh, You know, it doesn't have to be rocket science. It can be something small. Uh, In fact, many of you last week for Easter Sunday invited your friends, you invited your family, and uh, you just really did great. I mean, you just had to invite them. And I'm sure some of you asked friends and family and they rejected you, and you had to deal with rejection. Uh, And so be it. Uh, You know, just loving people, just Asking people, okay, can you consider Christ? Can you consider that Jesus is actually helpful to where you are in your life? Can you consider that Jesus will actually give you hope for your current situation? And you don't have to have all the answers. You're not the one providing hope. You're not the one providing them with adequacy. It's Jesus. You're just saying, okay, come to church or let me introduce you to Jesus or let me pray for you or you know, you can be feeling very intimidated. You can say, look, I'll pray for you when I get home. And all I say is, if you say that to somebody, just do it. Don't say, I'll pray for you, and don't pray. Go home and pray. Better that you pray for them right then and there. But do it. I mean, it's not, you know, it's sometimes not that uh, complicated. Now, as we do uh, communion, and uh, once the worship team coming up so long, uh, when we do communion, you know, in one sense, we remembering afresh what jesus has done on the cross he is saying look i i've done the heavy lifting i've done the part which you can't do uh, and that is to forgive your sins I, I jesus is saying i've made a way possible for you to be uh, encouraged and empowered i'm gonna give you the holy spirit and i am gonna make a relationship or a a way for you to have a connection with the father and experience his love. You can't do it. And Jesus said, I've done all that for you. And so when we take communion, we've been reminded, okay, Jesus, I'm still needing hope. I'm still need faith to overcome fear. I'm still inadequate. I'm still dependent on you. And Jesus said, yes, you are. And that's a good place to be. And come to me for strength. Come to me. For renewal, come to me for another dose of the Holy Spirit, empowering you and refreshing you. And so, uh, you know, as we uh, take communion, I would just encourage you to think about that. And uh, you, you, you can come up straight away and take communion, or you might want to just uh, say, God, you know, I, I feel inadequate. I, I need some hope. Uh, or you might acknowledge that you have fear. Uh, You might say, God, I need more faith. Uh, Or you might be saying, God, I just need a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Just breathe on me again. I I need to be empowered. I'm just feeling very inadequate. And uh, see what the Lord will do. So uh, why don't we uh, take communion now, and I just encourage you again, if you're sitting behind those posts, we've got some communion stations at the back. If you're in front of these posts, come up here. Uh, if you're new to church or uh, you from another church, uh, you're welcome to take communion. Because when you take communion, what you're saying is, Jesus, I just uh, want to come to you. I'm looking to you to empower me. I, I believe as much as I know who you are. Uh, please, uh, and you're asking Jesus, please will you empower me? Please will you help me? And uh, that's Jesus' invite. Uh, to you. So uh, come on up um, when you're ready and let's have uh, communion and then we'll have a time of prayer with our ministry team uh, after that. Whether it's the first time that you need Christ or the 101st first first time, uh, I just encourage you to ask Christ for what it is that you need him for. Uh, if it's the first time, if you're new to faith or you've uh, trying to figure uh, God out, uh, and you're trying to figure out uh, how do I know him, how do I have a relationship to him, I'd encourage you uh, to come forward and get this a copy of this Bible. Uh, it's how to find God. It's the same translation as what I'm preaching out of the New Living Translation. And it's uh, the New Testament, but it's uh, got a few uh, helps in the front. Uh, and that's really for somebody that's you know new or trying to figure out uh, faith. Uh, On the other hand, you might be here today uh, and you're saying, I I really do feel inadequate for uh, what you have coming up either this week or in front of you, you know, whether it's a season. And uh, you would very much like somebody to pray for you to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And you say, you know, uh, I, 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 like the disciples, uh, need the Lord's power uh, to help me you're just feeling like very inadequate or very uh, run through uh, and you're saying God I, I'm asking you to uh, breathe on me afresh uh, uh, fill me up again and uh, if that's you I'd encourage you to, uh, to come forward and uh, receive prayer. Uh, Kevin, you had something from prayer this morning? oh Jeff sorry Jeff you had something from prayer this morning. Yes, this this morning as we prayed and we're getting together, there was a a scripture verse that came out in Jeremiah 33, and it speaks about God saying, I will cleanse. I I will heal. heal. I will restore. And the outcome of that is joy. And as we were praying and thinking about it, and as this connects with today's sermon about hope, uh, I just have a sense that some of you might feel like, I, I can't experience that joy. I just don't know where that joy is, and, and maybe that's for you today. And, and if you'd like to regress that joy, maybe it's because of something physically, emotionally, um, or, or whatever it might be. We'd love to pray with you this morning. So uh, why don't you uh, stand? Thanks, Jeff. Uh, and we're going to end our service. I'm going to uh, pray for you. And uh, then you can come forward if you'd like prayer, or if you want to just stay in your seats and, and, uh, and continue praying, uh, you're welcome to do that. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray for your people. Lord, only you can truly encourage us, can motivate us, give us faith, give us strength, and to help us to, encourage, to be encouraged. I thank you, Jesus, as we look at the disciples sitting in a room, being terrified, and yet you encouraged them with very few words. And they left and they went out. And uh, they turn the world upside down uh, for you. And so in a similar way, Lord, I just pray that uh, your people will leave today and feel empowered and uplifted by your spirit, by fixing uh, their eyes on you and having hope for the future, the short term and the eternal future. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. I thank you that you're alive. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Bless you, folks. Have a great week. If you'd like prayer, uh, please come forward. If you'd like to just continue praying in your seats, uh, just pray there. But if you're going to have conversation, take it out in the lobby. uh, Get your kids. Get some coffee. Take your discussion. Take it out of the lobby. Uh, If you want prayer, uh, come on up.